Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. (laughs) Stephanie. Amy. You need a longer name, so it's more symmetrical. My name is Amy Dials <laughs> from the Cancer for Bread Breadfist. Cancer for Bread Loaf. <laughs> you can make toast from this podcast. You can make bread from this podcast. Um, hi. Oh, hello. Tell me everything. Um, you know, it's another week. Mm-hmm. We're still making it happen. What's new with you? So I have two things to mention. One of them is that I accidentally dosed myself (laughs) with edible (laughs) marijuana a few days ago. (laughs) You you did. CBD is so wonderful to help you sleep. It doesn't get you high. Have a little gummy before you go to bed. Um, but yeah, I freaking also ate like the tiniest sliver of a chocolate that had more THC in it thinking, oh, this will just kind of like activate for recreational use. Well, just more like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sometimes you feel absolutely nothing with the CBD, which is cool. And I hate being high, but if you just have like the teeniest, teeniest bit of THC, sometimes it's fine. And this CBD gummy was like one to 20 or something like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the chocolate was like, he told me it would not really get me high. Your bud tender told you that? (laughs) My bud tender. He should know (laughs) that I am tender to bud because I get (laughs) so high if I even look at like smoke coming out of a chimney and imagine that it's (laughs) someone exhaling weed. I'm like, I'm so high. Um, can verify because you were texting me. <laughs> I was texting you and I'm like, I accidentally ate weed. He told me to eat one fourth of the chocolate and I seriously cut it in. Like I had one fourth of one fourth. Mm-hmm. An eighth. <laughs> I basically felt like I had an eighth of weed. Yes, I felt like I had. There um, was a miscommunication. Um, yeah, you were you were high as balls, as they say. Yeah, and I was texting you, and then what did you tell me? I told you. <laughs> uh, in in the year twenty twenty one, it is not uncommon for multiple friends of yours to be high at the same time, and so I was like, I have you're the second person tonight who has texted me that they accidentally got too high. Can you guys just text each other? Because you were like coming up with Pixar movies that you wanted to pitch to me. Characters. I was trying to tell you like the characters of the Pixar movie and what it would be about and wouldn't it be a good Pixar movie? Yeah. (laughs) And then you gave me, and and I still stand by that. 
if anyone has a connection i have a great great concept um but then you gave me your other high friend's phone number and you were I like did. please just text her <laughs> you were like i really want you guys to know each other anyway and and sh- i texted her she knows you might text her it's true shout out d you were high at the same time as amy <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like i can't i want to know her i want to know her so much but but i'm, I'm too high, high. <laughs> And tomorrow I'm going to be too sober. So I'm just never going to text her. It's never going to happen. Yeah. It's true. I'm sorry that you dosed yourself. <sighs> it was it was very funny for me. It was really funny for me, too. I do hate being high, but it was actually nothing but laughs and very low paranoia. Because normally I am just paranoid. Um, but part of the reason I bring that up is because ha ha how stupid. And the other reason is because... The reason I was trying to help myself sleep with a little bit of weed is because I was so worried about the following week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I had to get all this stuff, appointments, scans, things. I found a lump, people. You found a lump. I found a lump in my damn boob. That's a bad one. Yeah, it was terrifying. For Real talk. Um, you're fine. Spoiler fine. alert. Yes. I don't want to, um, I don't want to take you on a very scary Pixar movie of, um, <laughs> reoccurrence. So I'll spoil it right now and say, as far as we know, there is no cancer in my boob still. So woo. But I did, I found this goddamn lump and it is below this other kind of strange area that I talked about before on the podcast that I had a scare with. Where mm-hmm. we know we like to use the word creepy. Um, but yeah, it was like that area was bothering me. And then I like brought my hand lower than the area that they've told me six months ago was fine. And I had scans and stuff. And then suddenly there's just like big throbbing lump. Well, it wasn't really, but it was there and it was a lump. And yeah, I feel like this for people that are like, quote unquote, out of you know, active treatment and there is in with their type of cancer, a risk of recurrence. It is just this shit happens. And like, there are very real symptoms or signs. And then you just, your brain goes into overdrive. You yeah, truly are, are like prepared in this really weird way, but also totally freaked out, but also like, trying to like plan for how it's going to go down so that you can be ready in this weird way. You know, like I was like, who do I tell? I don't want to worry anybody. But then I also like, you know, I told Steph and I like texted this friend I had met in a support group. That's totally awesome. Who lives by the hospital. And I was like, shit might go down on Tuesday. And if it does, I might want to meet up with you right afterwards. So like, you know, and just kind of like, figuring it all out and um but i i got somehow an appointment with somebody on my oncologist team for monday morning this was a friday for monday morning at 7 45 i was like i don't get up that early but i <laughs> i still i still did i will to get diagnosed with cancer again <laughs> i've been waiting <laughs> um <laughs> but then the oncologist, she like 
was really dismissive, which was it's so funny where you're like, I just want them to dismiss it and just tell me I'm crazy. That's all I want to hear. And then when they dismiss it, you're like, you're bitch. Just dismissing it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not even my real oncologist. <laughs> but, you know, she was like, oh, like. This I do feel it, but it's kind of long. So I feel like it could be surgical um, scar tissue from your surgery. Mm. And I was Mm-mm. like, my surgery was like way the fuck on the other side of my boob. Lady. And she's not even a surgeon. You're not my surgeon. <laughs> You're not my real mom. You're not my real surgeon or my real <laughs> oncologist. Um, and you're Why are you being so mean to me? <laughs> she was so mean. Um, she wasn't mean, but she was dismissive and, um, yeah. So I was like very happy that she kind of gave me the confidence that it wasn't probably what I thought it was all weekend long. Yeah. Um, she also like didn't really encourage me about the Pixar movie idea (laughs) when I told her she was kind of like, sounds a lot like Toy Story. Um, but... (laughs) (laughs) anyway um so she did calm my nerves though by saying that it seemed like she felt it but it seemed like not you know she's like it's mobile that's a big Mm -hmm. thing too with these lumps anyway long story fucking short with another story in the middle of it if this isn't cancer for breakfast i don't know what it is (laughs) but (laughs) to add the other piece of bread to this this cancer sandwich um yeah, so I had the freaking ultrasound, or I had the mammogram, and then they called me back for a second mammogram, by the way, which, of course, if it's not your first radio, you're like, yep, here we go. Yep, here we images. go. Here we mm-hmm. fucking go. And then the lady, of course, had me so scared because she, like, insinuated that I was going to get called back for an ultrasound, like... Mm-hmm. It's the the ways that we read the into ways, what people are saying. The mm-hmm. tone, the yeah, she was definitely like, oh, they're gonna call you back for an ultrasound. Like it was kind of <laughs> like that where I was like, oh, okay, yeah. How much is a cremation? <laughs> because <laughs> do you offer? The, can I pre pre arrange for that? Do you do on them my way out at the hospital or is it? Um, at a church? Like, where do they cremate? <laughs> um, I, I I do know the answer to that. That was a pretend question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so whatever. I got the second mammogram and the lady at the ultrasound was, we need a name for these freaking um, angels who do the scans and they put you at ease because she was like, hey, so just so you know unofficially the mammogram looks good yes and then as she was ultrasounding me she was talking about my seroma and how it could be pressing up against things but my seroma looks smaller like the fact that she was like telling me the measurements of my seroma and wanting to talk about that and not just being like quiet and like oh fuck i shouldn't have told her everything was okay you know like yeah i was like all right all right so now what we're realizing is cancer's not the culprit. We're not sure what the culprit is, but let's mm-hmm. just talk about what it might, you know. Anyways, we have a Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> In other news, we do have a Facebook group. We got it started as requested. 
It's been As teased fun. in the last episode. It has been fun. It's been really cool to see who shows up there and get to know people just a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I I said something about it being like a party where like people kind of keep walking in. You're just kind of like, put your jacket on in the guest room on the bed and come on in and like get your feet wet. Have That's a, right. Have a chat. Um, yeah. But we'll be doing fun stuff in there. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I... I always say that it's totally about the community for me. That's why it's so cool to do this podcast and like be on Instagram and stuff. But I think the Facebook group is a great opportunity for us to like have an actual back and forth rather than us just like talking at people all the time. Totally. Totally. And I feel like the type of people who are going through treatment or have gone through treatment that are into this podcast, like, might like to have a laugh and also like might like to get real and also might like to be open or try to be more open about what's going on with them with people who understand yeah um, because that might be what they're seeking out with this so it's kind of nice to like introduce those people to each other sort of and interact in a way that could be cool but the group can be whatever we all want to make of it so please join us what's it called Steph? It's called crying in my nightgown. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so just search for it on Facebook or it's in our link tree on Instagram if you want to mm-hmm. um, find it that way. Yeah. So join us on the Facebook group. Crying in my nightgown. Cancer for breakfast group. Join us if you are a cancer person or a caregiver. Yeah. No looky lose. No looky lose. Healthy people, get out of here. <laughs> And people who you must have this level of trauma yeah, to ride. And that's what I was just going to say is trauma counts as being unhealthy. <laughs> so if you're like, I've been done with cancer for four years, I'm healthy. Just like, no, but you're still crazy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. You're not. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's cool. Join our Facebook group if you want to. Yeah. And then also mm-hmm. Instagram related is these wonderful, wonderful people that we follow on Instagram have a new campaign um, and they got a Healthline article, which is like, you know, cancer big time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's part of For the Breast of Us, which is an amazing organization. But it's this group of women of color who are raising awareness about the lack of representation for women of color in breast cancer communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the two gals that are quoted in the article. Their names are Jasmine Sowers and Marissa Thomas. But it's a whole big group of people of like baddies, you know, like they're super rad. Yeah, I wrote them. And we also I think we shared something from their campaign because they have been sharing all of these beautiful photos from this photo shoot that they did with just like a big old gaggle of them all together and like some of them are showing their scars and aren't wearing shirts some of them are wearing shirts yeah but i thought that article was really interesting maybe we could actually link the article too just because it kind of explains well what their campaign is all about oh for sure yeah we'll put that in the show notes but when i was reading it i thought it was really interesting you know i'm a white woman so some of the stuff it didn't even occur to me. I mean, I knew that there's obviously less representation when you're looking at pamphlets and photos and websites and whatever. Yeah. That you would definitely be seeing less black women. But one of the women was saying in the article that like she wanted to see what radiation was going to do to her skin mm-hmm. because black skin and white skin are going to react differently or like how the literature she was reading was obviously aimed at like 
lighter skin because it's like your skin's gonna turn pink and she's like my skin turned black you know yeah also scarring right on black skin is gonna be different than on white skin yeah different levels of melanin yes. totally are are underrepresented so just even wanting to look up mastectomy photos online and not seeing images while very important to mention Black breast cancer is like higher risk uh, population, right? Right. Like it, it happens commonly to black people and is often a more aggressive type of cancer too. Yeah. Right? I, I think they're triple negative. Triple negative. Yeah. I think that triple negative breast cancer rates are higher in yeah. the black population, but also just like generally speaking, women of color have worse outcomes because of systemic racism. And, yeah. and so it sucks to have that be your reality and then also feel marginalized within the breast cancer community. So kudos to them i am so excited to see what they keep doing it's a storytelling campaign and an advocacy campaign so they're just out there like sharing and being vulnerable and Mm -hmm. way to fucking go yeah i really love that when people kind of turn the experience they had with this like suitcase full of shit that is a cancer Mm -hmm. diagnosis into like something that might be just slightly easier or like a little bit less shitty for the people that come after them you know yeah like they're showing images publicly that they were trying to find and couldn't find so they're like okay here we are you know and also like come here you guys we're the community like join us come on you know and that's freaking awesome and like i think about that with this podcast sometimes that I wish I had like a podcast like this kind of when I was doing it. And I'm sure there are that I didn't dig deep enough into because I was too traumatized. Yeah. (laughs) Very hard. But in a way, like that's kind of why I like doing it. Yeah. I mean, when the narrative is this certain thing, or at least the dominant narrative is this certain thing, like for cancer in general, Mm -hmm. it's like, that can be really marginalizing. Yeah. It's a lot of straight people, totally. a lot of cis people, mm-hmm. a lot of white people. And so anything that's counter to that narrative kind of gets pushed to the side. And to feel lonely when you are looking for resources to help you get through cancer just like is extra, extra, extra bad. So yeah, um, yeah, it's just amazing whenever somebody who is marginalized takes it upon themselves to go the extra mile because obviously like not everybody wants to be the person who is suddenly the breast cancer spokesperson a lot of these women i'm sure want to just get on with their lives but good for them for putting themselves out there for sure speaking of cool people that are doing rad stuff can we talk about oh you're so tough yes we can talk about oh you're so tough um chelsea gomez is her name and i'm sure all of our listeners already follow her because she makes these comics that are so funny and so poignant sometimes too and just an amazing creator yeah that isn't just like you said not just for breast cancer but really just is so good at capturing what it feels like to be a cancer person Mm -hmm. with like wit and humor yeah but um, one of my favorite things that she sells is the cancer card. Ooh. Like a legit card, like a cancer card. You know, when people say, oh, you're just playing the cancer card. Oh, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Well, she's got one you could buy. <laughs> we actually would love if people want to write us and tell us about times 
they have played the cancer card because we know some of you have Mm -hmm. and we know it's a good story oh for sure yeah send those in amy have you ever played the cancer card um a few times i have and i feel like i haven't really like to emotionally manipulate someone i care about or anything like that how good of you (laughs) i mean i've thought about it This would be effective and hurtful, but I'm not going to do it. Um, (laughs) I mean, I did do it recently. Like a couple months ago, I was getting an estimate for we have to raise the foundation of the back part of my house, which is going to be so annoying, so expensive. And it is like the most boring thing to drop thousands of dollars on. It's like paying to get your car's tires rotated or something oh yes it doesn't feel any different like where did that money go you know anyway the guy was writing up our estimate he'd been there for like five hours like measuring every little thing and then he's like so what do you do for a living or whatever and then i was like oh you know like and i kind of just like gave him a quick thing about how like i used to work in radio and i do this Mm -hmm. and you know and then i'm i've been staying home with my kid and it was all just kind of me doing that thing that you awkwardly do at a party when somebody asks you what your deal is and you're like i mean i did just like (laughs) go to the post office wait do you mean what do you mean you know (laughs) but as soon as i just like did all the bullshit i was like why didn't i tell him I just got done with cancer treatment. Like he's writing out how many thousands of dollars this is going to cost. Like just, we we have this good rapport. So then I said it, I came back and and I brought it back up again. I was like, (laughs) yeah. And I guess I wasn't really working for, you know, the last year though. Cause you know, I just got done with breast cancer treatment. And as I was saying, I was like, Oh my God, you evil little dick. You're totally, (laughs) totally just kind of like "Eh, it won't hurt you know (laughs) did he give you a discount i mean i don't know i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it didn't work bummer i did i kind of end up getting a discount but it was for a different reason but that's too boring because you slept with him um i did (laughs) take my top off i was like speaking of breast cancer (laughs) check out this good puppy and her sister the weird one (laughs) if the cancer card is declined you got to do it the good old-fashioned way take it off your top um and i did it one other time but i want to hear yours oh i know you've done it i have i have done it um but not you know in a but only maliciously to hurt someone, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was going to say the opposite, but only in like lighthearted ways, like um <laughs> with my husband, who was really, really not in favor of us getting any more animals. Mm-hmm. My daughter Zelda and I were like really, really, really wanting to get geese. Yeah. For a long time. Like this has been like three years that she has been on a goose kick. And a goose chase. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed Got it. You. Thank you. Thanks for picking up my slack. Um so finally, you know, I got got the cancer. <laughs> I was like, come on, you can't say no. I got cancer before I got geese. This isn't fair. <laughs> I was like, come on. And I I make a joke like, oh, it's my dying wish, you know, like even though I'm not dying. Um and everybody laughs 
and then I get the thing I want. <laughs> I love it. So I, I did kind of use the cancer card to get geese. I love it. But the joke was on him because he loves the geese, I think, more than any of us. So, Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Put a feather in your cap. And then also, I'm running for this uh, political position, the public hospital district commissioner. And I mean, I, I don't know that this is playing the cancer card because I do think it's also true that I am uniquely suited Mm-hmm. To talk about like the quality of healthcare people get when they have a health crisis. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but I will definitely be bringing up the fact that I believe myself to be the only candidate that has stage four cancer. I wonder if it could be like part of your slogan, you know? Ooh, do you have something <laughs> snappy for, <laughs> for me to put on my yard signs as my campaign manager? um yeah of course i do let me think for give me 10 seconds that's all i need with this kind of stuff it just comes i don't care i just need a second nathan edit this in in three minutes because i actually need more time now (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know i just think really pushing that you're a mother of three because everyone wants to support a mother now. I mean, I wish you could be a single mother, but... You mm, know, if only. Yeah. If only. I <laughs> wish you could be a single mother. <laughs> you have it too easy. Oh. Um, no, I don't have a snappy thing. Shit. God. I'll um, dock your pay for this one. It's all right. It's all right. The election's not until November, so... Okay, what about if you could use, like, GoFundMe's logo... But it could say elect me instead of go fund me. Go vote for me. Yeah, go vote for me. (laughs) I do throw out the cancer thing, like kind of jokingly the way you're saying it with friends sometimes. But like, I don't know, maybe maybe you and I both need to use them a little bit more to like have some good stories under our belts. But we definitely want to hear listener stories of times you have used it and not just jokingly like have you been manipulative you can tell us Mm -hmm. we won't judge you have you been have you gotten a discount have you gotten a discount do you think they would do it again (laughs) (laughs) for someone else (laughs) do share (laughs) how much did they charge you when you got your foundation lifted so write us you crazy please do do we have any letters to read this week Ooh, we do Um, I would love to read one right now. This one's an update, actually. Okay. um, So let's see. She says, hey, friends, I just wanted to follow up with a quick update. I wrote a couple of months ago about my friend who was diagnosed with breast cancer. First of all, thank you for reading my letter and for the whole episode about supporting friends with cancer. It means a lot to me. And I cried through it. Oh, Um, So, yeah, this is the person who wrote in saying she wasn't super close to this gal, but she had met her when she was working at a Starbucks, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the girl was crying about a relationship ending or something. And she sent her free hot cocoa to her table. And um, and yeah, she was asking us for advice on support. Yeah, I remember. Um, so she continues, 
My friend and I are just very similar people. So I think we've always been flirting with being very close friends. But the combo of her diagnosis, and I'm not just saying this, your podcast has made us much closer. What? Dude. uh, I am just not the kind of friend to shy away from hard stuff, but also this podcast has helped my confidence in supporting a loved one through cancer or with cancer. Instead of saying really anything else, I'm able to just say this really sucks and I am mad that you were dealing with this and I'm seriously here for you. That is so nice to hear. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that. Okay. Anyway. Um... (laughs) I have yet to send her some cocoa because LOL heat wave in the PNW, but even better. I have just been there. We've watched movies together. I sent her McDonald's money on a particularly hard day. I cannot stop sending her cute t-shirts. Question mark. (laughs) Amazing. She stopped by on her way to literal chemo in Seattle to give me a homemade shirt that says Leo. And we talked for an hour while she showed me how wild it was to be able to pull her hair out. She's bald now and she looks more beautiful than anyone I've ever seen in my life. And I told her that because the podcast has helped me not shy away from just real and hard truths, even if they are good ones. She has a hard time asking for help. Me too. And I've convinced her to let me be the one to run her GoFundMe, which is a concept that makes her so uncomfortable. It's one of the greatest honors of my life to have this lovely person trust and want me to do this for her. She'll be listening soon, but I don't think that she's gotten to the podcast yet. She mentioned to me previously that she was having a hard time finding her people, and I am for sure that she would love you both. So it's only a matter of time. No need to necessarily read this on the air, but I, well, I mean. <laughs> too late. Little, wish I would have read that sentence first. <laughs> a little too late for that one there. Um, but I did just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And let you know how helpful your podcast is, even for people who do not currently have cancer. XOXO. Yes. That is that thrilling. Is so cool. <laughs> ah! Um. Stephanie, should we offer our services to um, like sing at their wedding or? I mean, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, I Do you want to read a poem or something? <laughs> Sign me up. I'll be an usher. I'll bring a hot dish, whatever, whatever they need. Um, that makes me so, so happy. And that's just like the best you know getting that kind of feedback that what we said was actually helpful because <laughs> you know sometimes yeah. we're just talking out into the void and yeah. it's so nice to hear that her friend is receptive and she's making a deeper connection and that's super rad i have two things to say the first thing is you are so nice for doing her GoFundMe because that is such awkward shit oh my God. for those of us that have had friends do this for us. It is so overwhelming and it is so vulnerable and it's it's like what you Steph you just had like 
you realize people were like still donating. Yes. I, my friend who started my GoFundMe for me, she was so smart about me that she made it so I can't log in, mm-hmm. which means I can't see like who the anonymous donors are. Um, it was me every time it says anonymous. <laughs> Thank you. I just didn't want to make things weird between <laughs> us. I don't want you to know how rich I am. I, I just like cannot even look at it with any regularity because it's so overwhelming and like it's just this combination of gratitude and embarrassment and like mm-hmm. cognitive dissonance because like what the fuck why do I have a GoFundMe like oh I have yeah. cancer yeah. Um, but yeah it's wild and managing somebody's GoFundMe is seriously such an incredible gift I think that we should start a business where we pretend to be people's very close friends that like manage their GoFundMes for them. Like if, because some people might not have yeah. people stepping up to do it. And this shit is expensive. Oh my God. Um, Seriously. But people want to support every single person listening. And if you're listening and you don't have a GoFundMe, I will totally pretend that I'm your like friend from growing up. And then you send me like five of your coworkers emails and you're like <laughs> friends and like, you know, some of your shitty friends and then I'll email them all. Be like, hey, it's Amy. I'm like Tanya's really good friend. Could you pass this around? Or I don't know if you, she doesn't want, she doesn't want to ask. I'm, I'm just doing it for her. I will do it. But you just need to um, like give me 10% for... <laughs> my services (laughs) just kidding uh but anyway yeah it is it is totally awkward so good on this gal for doing it and helping her out and then the second thing i was gonna say is dude it is so weird when your hair just pulls out it like just is so weird it feels like you're just pulling out tufts of like a shedding cat's hair where you're just like like just like (laughs) pulling it out that's so weird weird um yeah we'll have to we'll have to read letters and tips on baldness because it is such a big thing and we haven't talked very much actually about that yeah i haven't experienced Um, this yet so i'm sure it's it's coming for me but well hopefully not for a very long time we'll see we'll see um and then Okay, this next one actually is one that I sourced from this person that we follow on Instagram who has sarcoma. It's Sarcoma Awareness Month. Did you know? I did not know. Yeah. And she had posted something about it being, she has uh, Ewing sarcoma and she posted about it being Sarcoma Awareness Month. And I wrote her and I was like, hey. We want to hear something from somebody's viewpoint or experience and we can put some awareness to that. Um, And she was so cool. And she wrote us this like lovely letter and she's a blogger and she's a wonderful writer. And um, thank you for doing that. And her name's Wonky Arm on Instagram. (laughs) On Instagram. That's not her actual name. Um, will you read it though? I would be delighted to read it. Thank you. She writes, I was unprepared for what the doctor was saying to me. I let his medical jargon fall to the ground in front of me, forming a mound that I would have to sort through later because I didn't want to catch his words. 
I couldn't accept it. I focused on one term only, cancer. My sarcoma story is unique, but sadly it is comparable to so many others in how the tumor invading my body was unnoticed and misdiagnosed for way too long. Unfortunately, this is all too similar of a story for many individuals who have been diagnosed with sarcoma because the mass often grows undetected before it is eventually found as a lump protruding from your body. This didn't just happen once to me. I experienced this type of devastation twice in my life. For over one year, I had complained to my doctor about a deep ache in my arm, but I had been repeatedly told that it was likely some type of injury or strain and only physio or pain medications were prescribed. I went through the motions and trusted his advice, but being an active young girl for the majority of my life, I could tell that this wasn't a muscle pain and I was quite sure that I hadn't done any activities that led to this severe of an injury. Eventually, after a year of this medical dance, I found myself in the emergency room with debilitating pain, moaning that I felt like my right arm was hanging onto my body by a thin strand that was about to break. It only took an x-ray to show that a mass which had originated in my humerus had broken beyond the bone and began to wrap itself around my arm. The next two weeks felt like someone else's reality, and I moved through them in a state of shock, unable to absorb what was happening to me. I was told that I had cancer. Then I was shaking on a cold operating table, counting down from 10 as I fell into a deep sleep so strangers could perform a biopsy on my right arm. I met my oncologist and she diagnosed me with Ewing sarcoma. I was introduced to a supposedly well-known surgeon who would remove the tumor halfway through my treatment. I began chemo a few days later, so I quit my job and deferred my last year of college. Each day, I was receiving new information that I had never dealt with before, and it was hard to absorb in such a short period of time. I didn't know how to cope with cancer, and the only connection I had to sarcoma was the Canadian icon Terry Fox, but didn't he die? For the year that followed, cancer consumed my life. I was admitted into the hospital to receive chemo for five days straight, only unhooked from the IV pole for just over an hour each day and returning again in two weeks for six hours of the Red Devil. That combination was considered one cycle of chemo for me, and I had eight to endure. Halfway through my chemo treatment, I received a surgery to remove the tumor. But in order to safely do so, the surgeons had to remove my whole humerus bone, as well as many muscles and tendons that contribute to the proper functioning of someone's arm. I came out of the surgery with a limb that didn't even look like my own anymore, and my misshapen arm was unable to do the things that it had once been capable of. Sarcoma didn't just steal my social life, it had also stolen a part of my body. If the mass that took root in my limb had been found earlier, I could still have a working arm. This is a traumatizing thought to settle with. My first experience with cancer taught me that we know our bodies better than anyone else, and we need to listen when it is telling us that something is wrong. We need to be comfortable advocating for our health and understand that it is okay to ask for a second opinion or push harder for more tests and evaluations. We shouldn't always accept the simplest answer, especially when our body is screaming that the answer is incorrect. My new perspective on healthcare and advocacy saved my life seven years after I had initially been diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. I began to experience an ache in my chest that felt all too familiar. 
Although my family doctor had begun to take my complaints more seriously, he had still diagnosed the lesion on my rib as an injury due to overuse of the left side of my body as a result of the limitations of my right side. This time I questioned his answers, but there were more than one set of eyes looking at the scan who had determined that whatever they all saw, it was not to be worried about. I decided to accept their advice, and I was told that it was very unlikely with Ewing sarcoma that it could return this far down the line if it hadn't already. Like a sickening case of deja vu, I had wound up in the hospital with a debilitating pain, being told by a doctor that I likely had cancer. This time, the tumor was growing towards my heart, and if it had been undiagnosed for a few weeks longer, it would have pushed past my heart sac and invaded the vital organ. Oh, God. There wasn't much anyone could have done if it had reached my heart, so I am thankful each day that I chose to push a bit harder for answers and decided to listen to what my body was communicating to me rather than blindly accepting my doctor's advice. However, this shouldn't have happened twice to me. My complaints and fears shouldn't have gone neglected for so long that both tumors were able to grow as large as they had. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this happens way too often with sarcoma since the tumors can originate in both bone and soft tissue and the symptoms or pain can be inconsistent. It may be an agonizing pain one day and absent the next. Often sarcoma is only discovered when the tumor has grown so large that a lump can be clearly seen in an area of your body. However, I don't agree that we should just accept that diagnosis is difficult with this type of cancer. I'm not suggesting that we need to assume that every ache or pain could be cancerous because that method of thought will be toxic. Instead, I'm advising that if a doctor's initial advice doesn't fix your problem, don't continue to accept the same answer as the solution to the issue. I continue to share my story because I want people to understand that we know our bodies better than a doctor does because they can't feel what we feel. We need to advocate for our health and request further investigation when something doesn't feel right. Our bodies are resilient, but they will communicate loudly to us when something is wrong, and we need to stop ignoring its cry for help. Emily Marshall, Wonky Arm blog, and she is at wonkyarm.wordpress.com or wonkyarm on Instagram. Thank you so much for writing that. Seriously, and and like... Oh my God, twice that she had to advocate so hard just for it just testing. Helps me when it's like something as simple as an x-ray, right? You know, just order the fucking x-ray doctors. Yeah. And like, not even because it might be cancer because she might have like a stress fracture or like yeah, anything. If it doesn't go away and you don't know what it is for like an extended period of time. Like, why do they keep just pushing people off? You know? Yeah. It makes no sense to me. I, I don't understand why some parts of healthcare are so hyper medicalized and mm-hmm. you get inundated with like unnecessary interventions like you know thinking about like childbirth and things like that where oh yeah where they force interventions on you based on you know timetables and stuff but somebody with like a debilitating pain in her arm can't even get a fucking x-ray dude seriously yeah well i 
I know so many people have that same what if and I wish I caught it earlier. I wish my doctors didn't, you know, suck. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have that too with, you know, I lost so much time Mm -hmm. with my breast diagnosis because my doctor told me my lump was normal from breastfeeding and I... I just didn't question it for so many months. And I just now question everything, obviously. But um, but so many people that we've talked to that have written us that, you know, we correspond with frequently have such similar stories. And it just it sucks. But I'm glad that you're here now and I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad everyone listening is. Um, yeah keep advocating yeah and thank you so much for being so open about it and um and being awesome i love it stuff when we were talking about the show this week and what we had lined up and our plans and then you're like yeah we're still waiting for that email from wonky arm and i was like <laughs> stephanie Lejeunesse. that's a that horrible is- thing to say but you know i was just teasing because i knew that was really her name but (laughs) just imagining you just referring to people with these like oh you know our beloved listeners and letter writers (laughs) i'm just creating horrible nicknames for them yeah i would never left eye kathy (laughs) over there baldy beth baldy beth Mm -hmm. yeah i would never do that to you guys (laughs) um shall i read one final yes please do it's a three-letter day look at that (laughs) um so this one is from this wonderful girl we follow on instagram who goes by kylie soros rex on instagram she spells her name k-y-l-e-e um but she was so sweet she uh listened to our podcast for the first time and posted just something really nice in her stories about how she like loved it Mm -hmm. and it was heartwarming um, it was really sweet um but then she wrote us and she said okay I was listening for the first time to episode 21 and I am not exaggerating when I say I laughed I cried I said what the fuck (laughs) so many times she does say WTF, but as you know, we just like to cuss. That's right. At, That's right. For any reason we can. So she said, what the fuck? So many times. But one of the letters you read where she remembers the text name was Chris really made me want to share about Yolanda. I don't remember names of most anyone I meet at first. Even my gynecologist, as she was the one who could see me ASAP during the COVID backup. But I remember Yolanda. Of course, being 29, just three days before my 30th birthday, I was not at the mammogram clinic for routine. We had felt something. I was so anxious and just got, oh, I was so anxious and just in my gut knew it was cancer. But I was greeted by the kindest, I assume smiling face, but masks. (laughs) Her pens and name tag were bedazzled. I loved her. Fast forward an hour or so after mammo, ultrasound, being told I needed a biopsy, crying, and then calming down enough for them to let me leave. I had to schedule my biopsy with Yolanda. 
She was so kind. There was a location closer to my home, but for some reason they didn't take my insurance. So I could only come to this location and they couldn't get to me for over three weeks. After already waiting a month to see OBGYN about the lump and another two weeks for the mammo, well, Yolanda just was not having that. She gave me her personal number to text throughout the day Yolanda. as she was going to do everything in her power to rush me in, even up to the point of texting me the morning of May 29th that they had gotten my doctor's paperwork and I could come in that day for my biopsy. I am so thankful for her kindness and care. I cried all day on my birthday and on June 2nd received my diagnosis. Weeks before I would have even had been able to get a biopsy. After surgery, it half already had spread to my lymph nodes. So I know if we had to wait even longer, things could have been more widespread and larger. From Kylie. Oh, um, and she's Kylie Soros Rex on Instagram and with K-Y-L-E-E Soros Rex, she says. So I'm sure she's looking for some cancer buds as well. Thank you so yeah, much. And she's a hoot. She is a total hoot. She's great. I just love it when we hear these stories of medical professionals who go above and beyond, right. like especially because we hear like from Emily's letter of so many times when we're dismissed and invalidated and like you were talking about, but yeah, you know, like we get dismissed and invalidated all the time and it's so cool when that doesn't happen, which is a shitty weird thing to say, but yeah, sad truths. I know like using your own cell phone to text and like, follow along with what's going on with somebody to make sure that like they are being taken care of and like it's awesome it is awesome but it also pisses me off because you know when somebody isn't willing to do that and they can when there is like that red tape when you're like Mm -hmm. are you really telling me i cannot get in until like march 97th when it's like (laughs) two months before that like like there's really no way you know and you know there's a way and they won't help you it makes me so mad it's just like just just do it cut the red tape just do it yeah it's true i mean even just so much as a kind word or like the other day I saw my nurse practitioner and um, I switch off seeing a nurse practitioner and my oncologist every mm-hmm. month. And my nurse practitioner uh, just took the time to like ask me about my animals at home and my mm. bees because I, I keep bees. And she was just so cool and kind of blew my mind a little bit because she was like, I always envy people who can do stuff like that, who are like good at gardening and you know, like, I wish I could too, be good man. at stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're just a cancer doctor. <laughs> you know? And she was like, no, seriously. You know, it was just like, it was really cool. And it took like five minutes out of her day to make me feel like a real person right. and not just a walking bag of symptoms. Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah. I love it. And I love it. And I love that you keep bees and have geese and <laughs> like murder light tv shows i do and i love yolanda and i love yolanda too oh god um speaking of animals that i hope you don't have at your house oh i don't have them on purpose exactly i wish you had them on purpose they are so cute and they're smart and so smart 
Mm-hmm. We're talking about rats. It's rest time. Um, I learned this week about multi-cancer detection test. And we've said before on the podcast that there is no blood test for cancer. You can't tell after you've been through all of your treatments if they worked or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to kind of take it on faith and then wait for more symptoms. There's like tumor markers, but those differ than and they don't work for all types of cancers. Right. They don't even work for all people. Yeah. Some people's tumor markers just never really uh, reflect what's going on with Mm -hmm. their cancers. So what would be really helpful is to have a blood test that diagnoses cancer. I mean, let's do it. And uh, guess what? They're working on it. So in the June 2020 issue of the Annals of Oncology, it's volume 31 for all you. Mm hmm. subscribers (laughs) analysts they published this article on a multi-cancer detection test but what they call it Mm -hmm. um that the nhs in the uk is piloting a trial on this fall basically it is a liquid biopsy that's the word for it when it's a blood smear disgusting a liquid biopsy that's right can we just call it a blood test get down with the terminology amy hey sick bastards so uh, they're using it to diagnose 50 plus types of cancer. So they they did all of this back end stuff and the results were published last year in June. Basically, what they did was got a bunch of patients who are already diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. This is how the study has gone up to this point. So the study was done on people already diagnosed They had 6,689 total participants. Of those, 2,482 had cancers of varying types, 50 plus different types. Mm -hmm. And then they had a 4,207 non-cancer validation set of people because obviously they needed to Mm -hmm. test it against people who don't have cancer. Yet. Just kidding. (laughs) so basically the blood test is mainly for cancers that are hard to diagnose early like pancreatic cancer esophageal cancer ovarian cancer and um, these are cancers also that are often really hard to diagnose until your late stage and then they're often Mm -hmm. incurable so they're very hard to catch early right yeah so what the blood test does, the liquid biopsy, um, it finds chemical changes in cell-free DNA that then seep into your bloodstream. And so the test picks up on those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mainly for solid tumors with no screening procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, the ability to positively ID the cancer overall was 65.6%. Mm-hmm. With wrongly detected cancer in only 0.5% of cases. Okay. So that's a very low false positive rate. Right. 
which is important because mm-hmm. that's always one of the things that they say they don't want yeah. in screening tools. So it's not going to catch everybody, but if it's saying you have it, it's kind of like a pregnancy test. Like it's only picking right. up the pregnancy hormone. So you're not going to like, I'm showing pregnancy hormone, but I'm not pregnant. Right. You know, like it's like, right, right. But you could have a false negative. Yes, you could have definitely have a false negative, but the chance of a false positive is super low. And in addition to that pretty decent positive ID percentage rate, it correctly identified the area of cancer in 88.7% of cases. So that's very high. So the test can hit a positive on cancer and then also say it's esophageal cancer or whatever, and then they'll know. So, But out of just those 60 whatever percent, right? 80% of those whatever would be location. Would be correct. Yeah. Right. Um, it was able to pick up specifically bowel and lung cancer at Whoa. very, very early curable stages. That's amazing. Yeah. Especially like it's just it's really amazing for these cancers that often are out of control before they're diagnosed. And so, like, that's a big deal. And I am really looking forward to seeing what they find out when they launch this trial in the fall of this year, in fall of 2021, um, because they obviously need to see what it does when they're using it just as a general screening tool. Mm -hmm. And they don't have this set group of people who they know already have cancer. You know, I always think whenever bowel cancer comes up, I think of bowel babe. Oh, I was just thinking of her too. Um, I'm sure most of our listeners know who she is. She's an amazing, amazing advocate for bowel cancer and all cancers, but she's got a column. And is it the sun in the UK? I think so. Yeah. She's very well known yeah, and- over the water. <laughs> And she has a wonderful podcast called You, Me, and the Big C that there's like rotating hosts and there's, you know, like the main group of of hosts that sometimes it's all of them, sometimes they have guests, but she has been one since the beginning and she's just wonderful. Yeah. But she's been living with stage four colon cancer for, God, four years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right? been four years. And she has been so forthright and open Mm -hmm. about her entire process and she had a pretty big scare not too long ago um she's currently in this really intense chemo regimen and um i'm just like always wishing for the best for her and every time she has an update i'm like it's bell babe what's she doing oh she's at wimbledon yay but but she is like in the goddamn thick of it for sure and she just had to get like a little stint put in and they weren't sure if she was going to be strong enough to do the chemo without the stint procedure so like it it's just really kind of a scary time for her but it's really amazing how open she is right i mean and she doesn't sugarcoat it like she shows us the the bad stuff as well as the good. She's really honest about having hard days and um mm-hmm. she's got a beautiful family and yeah. You know, like I think it's really really important that people see from start to finish what this shit looks like. It is kind of amazing like because cancer is such a trauma, I think there's like obviously a time period 
of like not being able to kind of like look what's behind the curtain until you kind of can but there's something that I feel like helps by doing it like I don't know like just for me I was so so like anything I couldn't listen you know I talk about it all the time on this podcast but I'm not that way anymore and it's like really kind of amazing to me because like I'm not anybody listening I'm not triggered by you yeah you know like I'm not triggered by us like I'm I mean there of course is still certain stuff but I mean yeah I do think that there's some pretty harsh realities in this world and I'm kind of learning that we gotta just look at them and I think ideally we would see this stuff before we're diagnosed and it would just become a a reality that there are people we love with cancer and they get through it and we understand what it looks like before it's triggering for us. And I think that Deborah Bowel Babe has done such a good job of that, of, you know, making it accessible and being this like beautiful, vibrant mm-hmm. young woman with a beautiful family and a social life. And she, you know, she likes to get dressed up and she likes to do her makeup and things like that. And she's not defined by her, her cancer, but it's certainly a big part of her life. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't shy away from that. And I think it's really important for non-cancer people to see that too. Yeah. Will they choose to? Nobody knows. (laughs) Well, I think that it's easier when the, the entry point is someone like her when they're, you know, beautiful and funny and, whatever but then there is that weird grief tourist feel totally totally i think that one thing i have noticed from watching some of the like cancer celebrities is that there is a lot of that grief tourism aspect to their whole deal but also people might start out as grief tourists and then slowly morph into like genuine supporters yeah i like that yeah, I mean, that's, we all have to start somewhere. So, you know. Yeah. Maybe if they can just keep their mouths closed and not offer advice oh my God, as yes. they're doing yeah. their tourism, then they'll learn something and no one will be harmed in the process. Mm-hmm. That's what we like to see. Anyway, um, we have a ton of show notes we need to leave because we've covered a lot today. It's true. What we need from you. Uh, freaking write us about when you use that damn cancer card for good or for mm-hmm. evil. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. will not judge. Um, rate, review, subscribe. Dude, just rate and review. Who cares? Who cares? You have to press a button. You have to go to a, a thing and press a <laughs> button. Why is that? A th- that's a problem for you. We would do it for we you. We would do it for you. I might have already done it for you, in fact. <laughs> uh, also, um, buy us a coffee. Maybe we can get um, this wonderful gal who's running the GoFundMe for her friend to run our Buy Me a Coffee, where she can just be like, <laughs> can you give these people $5 a month? She's just the universal cancer accountant. <laughs> uh, no, but it does very much help us with expenses and other things that are it, it's just helpful it is helpful as all get up or you can join the patreon yeah 
Every little bit helps, like for actual real. It really does. Why are you still listening to this and not rating us? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Have a great week. We love you. Be great. Goodbye. Bye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. so much for listening. Thanks for listening.